In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We come to this gospel reading, picking up the middle of a discussion that Jesus has been having with his disciples for quite some time. Uh, Since chapter 9 in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus has been heading toward Jerusalem to confront the principalities and powers with the truth of who he is and what he stands for. He knows the consequences of his actions. He knows that he's going to be killed. And I think, needless to say, all of this is beginning to stress him out a little bit. Not that he doesn't want to follow God's plan, but he's got to put things in place. And I think he's more worried about how people are going to hear what he really needs to say in these last days. Since the end of chapter 11 in Luke, Jesus has been much more urgent and focused in his conversations. Maybe he is showing signs of stress, but he's challenging everybody. The Pharisees, the lawyers, his own disciples, the ones who know him best. He's been trying to express to them how important his work is how important he is. And yet it appears as if the beloved disciples don't yet quite get it. So he says, I came to bring fire on earth. Do you think that I have come to bring peace? No, rather division. So what happened to the angel's promise at his birth? What happened to the songs of peace on earth, goodwill to all? That's not what Jesus said he came for. He says he came to bring fire on earth. Think about divine fire in the Bible. Can you think of times when fire is included in a story? Um, There's fire that rains down on Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis 19 as punishment for their lack of hospitality to the stranger. There's the burning bush that attracts Moses' attention. There's a pillar of fire by night that leads the Hebrews out of slavery into the freedom of the promised land. And in the 18th chapter of 1 Kings, there's a wonderful story about the prophet Elijah confronting the priests of Baal. Fire of judgment, fire of attention, fire of holiness fire of safety, fire of power. What sort of power, what sort of fire do you suppose that Jesus came to bring? Well, he says that it's a fire that is supposed to upset things. Things are going to be shaken up. Even families are going to experience division. 
But this shouldn't be surprising, right? The church has a long history of families experiencing division because of the gospel. Around the year 200, Perpetua was denounced by her husband and turned over to Emperor Septimus Severus, who had forbidden conversion to Christianity. She converted anyway. She could have been spared if she had renounced Christianity, but she did not. So, she was put to death in the arena in Carthage. In the 13th century, in Italy, St. Francis had a run-in with his father after he heard God's call. He took the passage from last week's gospel, sell all you have and give it to the poor, quite literally. His father was not too pleased with this because since most of what Francis sold and gave away was actually his. So his father had him thrown into jail and took him to court. So Francis said, no longer is Pietro Bonadone my father. From now on, God in heaven is my father. Families divided. Fast forward about seven centuries, Jim and Darlene had a hard time when their son Lyle said that he felt a call to ordained ministry. You should get a real job first, she said. (laughs) Or, why would God call you, he said. They tried to dissuade him, but to no avail. In my years of ministry, I would say that most of the people that come to me concerned about matters of faith come to me around the question of, where is God? Because I've been praying and I don't see an answer, or the world is falling apart and God doesn't seem to care. And maybe the second reason people are struggling is because they want to know God's purpose for them in their life. They want some direction or some affirmation that God loves them. But I would say a pretty close third is the suffering that comes because the church has torn their family apart. Gay children who can't be with their parents because their parents are part of an evangelical church that says that these gay children are going to hell. And it causes such division. Or even something simpler. Roman Catholics who convert to a Protestant faith and it causes division in their family. They can't go to Mass together They can't talk about very personal things with each other any longer because tempers rise. How many people do you know that have a similar story? There's something in their family, in their history, in their current struggle that involves some family issue. Jesus has 
and Jesus does set child against parent. Jesus does bring division. It is a risky thing to be a Christian. So let me temper that a little bit. Right now in the United States, it's not risky to be a civic Christian. The type of Christianity that supports the status quo is not risky. But the Christianity that calls us to take a stand, to make changes in our own lives, to reevaluate our very faith and our own life, that's a different story. Some years ago, Frederick Beekner wrote about the importance of taking a stand in your faith convictions. He said, The prophet Deborah wouldn't have beaten the tar out of the Canaanites by issuing directives from her living room any more than Moses would have gotten his people out of Egypt by writing a letter to the New York Times or reposting an article on Facebook or Twitter. If we're going to be faithful people, if we're going to be more than just civic Christians, we need to be willing to take a stand. And we need to be willing to take the heat that comes with it. But the fire that Jesus brings is more than the heat that is generated in reaction to faithfulness in Christ. You see, so many of us trivialize our Christianity, if all we seek to do is change the things that are outside of us. Take a good look at the typical American family. We're struggling, we're lost, we're confused, and all of that is painful. There are casualties everywhere. And I'm not just talking about the streets of San Francisco. We have families that don't communicate anymore. They're dishonest with each other. There is tension and distance. And we don't know what to do about it. Sometimes we can maybe think that we can put a little prayer on top of it and then everything is going to be solved. We pray for a few minutes and then it doesn't work. And why not? Well, I think you can't just pray for a couple of minutes a day, patch that prayer into an otherwise unchanged life, and then expect everything to be different. Jesus did not come, so our behavior will be just a little bit different. Jesus came to transform us, everything and everyone. This may be a bad thing to do, but I'm going to quote from Marianne Williamson. This is not an endorsement for her candidacy to become the Democratic presidential nomination person. But she said it beautifully this way. She said, When you ask God into your life, you think God is 
going to come into your psychic house, look around, and see that you just need a new floor or better furniture, and that everything needs just a little cleaning. And so you go along for the first few months thinking how nice life is now that God is here. Then you look out the window one day, and you see that there's a wrecking ball outside. It turns out that God actually thinks your whole foundation is shot, and you're going to have to start from scratch. Jesus and his wrecking ball. What an image for us to have, right? Suddenly the image of Jesus standing at the door and knocking is transformed. Jesus says, hey there, is anybody home? I want to knock this dump down and totally rebuild it. A number of years ago, I was visiting my college roommate in Wisconsin. I stayed in a bed and breakfast that used to be the parsonage for a local Lutheran congregation in town. And on the walls was a series of pictures of a white clappered church burning to the ground. And I noticed it, and I felt kind of sad for the people who were part of that church. So I asked the host at the bed and breakfast what had happened, and he said, yeah, it was pretty amazing. And then he went on to explain that the church building had been purposely set on fire by the members of the church um, with the permission of the fire department. They had decided that they needed a radical transformation to empower their ministry, and they decided that they needed to start literally from ground up. And I thought that was a pretty gutsy move on their part. But it is what Jesus and his wrecking ball is set to do. Jesus wants to make new all people and all things. Jesus wants to make room for something new. Where in your life, where in your family, where in your congregation, where in your community, where in your workplace, where in your world, can you see a need for transformation, for a whole new way of being and living? Jesus wants to knock down every part of us that does not reflect the reign of God. So God, give us the courage to accept what's ahead. Amen.